Thank you for tuning in to our Restoration Life podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the message and share it out with your friends on social media. Can't wait for you to listen in next week. If you have your Bibles, open Ezekiel chapter 37. And um, I, I just wanted to minister a message that God put on my heart for today. It's not a part of our, our series. We're, we're, we're coming into a new series, Getting Prepared for Easter. Easter, guys, is like 35 days away. Easter's. Easter's is coming up. That's going to happen really fast, everybody. Um, so please listen out to everything that's going on. And then all the married couples, I hope you guys are registered for Devoted. Man, it's going to be so good. It's going to be really, really good. And I pray that you all make time to be here. And um, I, I, I want to minister a message that God put on my heart entitled God of Revival. How many know that we serve a God of Revival? When you think about Jesus going to the cross and dying for you and I in our place so that the whosoever's of this world that would listen to the message and the truth of the gospel would receive it and surrender to that love and respond to it by surrendering to his mercy. Those people are brought from death to life. There is a revival that takes place. We were dead in our sin, but God revived us in the light and in the love of his son and brought us from darkness into light. There's a revival transition that took place. When you think about a man by the name of Jairus whose daughter was dead and, and Jesus stops to lay hands on a woman with an issue of blood and Jairus has all been out of shape because he gets back to the house and, and his daughter has died and, and Jesus clears the room of, of faith, of not faith but of doubt. He clears the room of everybody speaking out in doubt and he says to Jairus, your daughter's not, a, she's not dead, she's only asleep. And he calls her out of that darkness and out of that, that, that death and into life. And he revives her daughter. We know the story of Lazarus, one of Jesus' good friends, best friend, who ends up dying. And he's dying and decaying in a, in a tomb for almost four days. And Jesus shows up and calls him out of the darkness of that tomb and revives his, his friend. We serve a God of revival. We serve a God who loves to bring things that were dead back to life. And I don't know if there are people that are sitting in this room right now that feel like your marriage is, is dying or dead. We serve a God that can bring your marriage back to life. I don't know if, if there are many people that are sitting in this room right now that are dealing with dreams and visions that seem to be dead because of things that have happened and failures that have taken place, but... We serve a God that can bring dead things back to life. Maybe God's put a vision in your heart for a ministry or, or a career or a future or a family. And you're like, man, I, there's no way I'm ever going to inherit that because I'm this, I'm that. I don't have this and I don't have that. Listen, God has a way of bringing dead things back to life this morning. And I want to encourage you today that you serve a God of revival. That you serve a God of revival. That when you're praying for something and the enemy's like, nah, it's dead, it's gone. You'll never have it. I want to remind you this morning that we serve a God of revival. That he can take what the enemy has destroyed and he can revive it. That he can take what you, yourself, have destroyed and he can revive it. Because God's word, God's spirit, God's sovereignty has the last word. How many know the devil doesn't have the last word in your life? How many know that even death doesn't have the last word? 
God has the last word. That's why when people come to me and say, and say, Pastor, this is bad. I'm like, you know who has the last word? God does. The doctor doesn't have the last word. The sickness doesn't have the last word. Your anxiety doesn't have the last word. Your depression doesn't have this, the last word. Your oppression doesn't have the last word. What you feel doesn't have the last I'm here to tell you that God has the last word on your life. And this morning, I just want to encourage you that we do serve a God of revival. And when you look... When you look at the story found in Ezekiel chapter 37, let me just give you a little, little context. The children of Israel in the Old Testament find themselves doing things that they know that they shouldn't do, but they do it anyways. And we see that same mistake take place from generation to generation, from millennia to millennia and people in humanity. In chapter 36, Israel's terrain and territory stopped producing fruit because of the disobedience of the children of God. And they were taken into Babylonian captivity by a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And you know the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a wicked king. He's the same king that you find in Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where, where Daniel is told not to pray out in the open. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are told to bow down to a golden image. This is the same king, King Nebuchadnezzar. It's a wicked king, ruthless king. And here we see the children of Israel living in Babylonian captivity not because they were doing right, not because they were serving God all out, but because they have found themselves disobedient to God in the blessing that God gave them once again. God gave them a land flowing with milk and honey. And what do they do with that land? They use that land to honor, or should I say to dishonor God by honoring a pagan God, a false God. And so God causes the land to dry up, its streams to dry up, its fruit to dry up and God calls Ezekiel to begin to prophesy over the land where the land must respond to the authority of the sovereignty of God over it and so Ezekiel starts to prophesy over the land of Israel and the land of Israel begins to flow once again with fresh water and fresh streams and the mountains begin to cry out with fresh fruit in preparation for the revival that God's going to give a people that were living in captivity. This is the context in which they were living in. They were in oppression. They were enslaved by the Babylonian king and the Babylonian people. And God speaks to a man by the name of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 37. And this is where Ezekiel is spoken to by the Lord. Chapter 37, verse 1, reads this way. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? 
Now you got to understand Ezekiel's plight. Ezekiel is living in captivity. Ezekiel is an oracle of heaven, a prophet of God that carries the word of the Lord on him because the Spirit of God is on him. And the Spirit of the Lord takes Ezekiel in the Spirit into a valley and he sees a valley filled with death, filled with decay, filled with dry bones. And God speaks to Ezekiel and he asks him a question. He says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Which reminds me that death doesn't have the final word. God does. And he goes to the man of God and he says, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel responds with, I said, sovereign Lord, you're the only one that really knows that. Only you know whether or not these dry bones live. Why? Because Ezekiel understood that he did not have the authority to speak life over death unless God told him to. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons in, to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And, I was, as, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise. There was a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. This is a vision that God gave the man of God by the name of Ezekiel. And I want you to see three very important truths found in this vision that you and I can relate to. Because here's a people that are living in captivity because of their sin. And as they're living in this captivity because of their sin, God would describe them as a valley of dead and dry bones. In other words, this is the spiritual condition of my people. They're dead, they're dry, they're in a valley of hopelessness, the valley of dry bones. But then God uses a man of God with the Spirit of God in him and on him to speak life into death. 
to resurrect a people that God had prophesied over that he would restore back to life. So three things that I want you to recognize. I want you to recognize the place of the person. The placing of the person in the story. He was in an oppressed culture. He was amongst oppressed people that were spiritually dead or dying in relation to God. Secondly, I want you to look at the predicament of the people. And thirdly, I want you to look at the power of prophesying God's word over dry bones. So number one, the first point that I want to make is that your present condition does not determine your present purpose. Your present condition does not determine your present or your future purpose. Because Ezekiel could have looked around and said, we're lost, we're in captivity, we're in bondage, we're dead in the spirit. God is never going to resurrect us back from this place of death. But look at where he places his prophet. Look at the background that God puts him in. He puts him into a place, he allows Ezekiel to be amongst the people that would found them, find themselves in disobedience and dead in the spirit. And God places Ezekiel, the man of God, in a valley to see spiritually where, or in a valley to see spiritually where everybody's living physically and spiritually. It's important that you know that this is Ezekiel's circumstance as well. That he's living in captivity, that he's living under the oppressive hand of King Nebuchadnezzar, and yet God chooses to call him in the midst of his captivity to speak life and resurrection power over the children of Israel. Ezekiel 37 one says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out by the spirit of the Lord did set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of death. It was full of dry bones. And yet Ezekiel is having this conversation with God, recognizing that this is the spiritual condition of the people that he's living with. I wonder if there's anybody in this room right now that recognizes the spiritual condition of the people that you're living with. That you recognize the spiritual condition of your family or your extended family. That you recognize the spiritual condition of your coworkers and the people that are living in your community. That even though they have a sense of freedom living in the United States, that they're still living in the bondage of their sin. And because they're still living in their bondage of their sin, they're still living in a valley of dead and dry bones and yet God would speak to you amidst all the dryness and all the dead and he would say prophesy to the dead prophesy to these dry bones yes they can live again they might be living in the darkness of their sin but I've called you I've anointed you and I've placed my word inside of you because you are going to speak life over where the enemy has spoken death we serve a God that loves to bring dead things back to life. Look at the story. This is a valley filled with dry bones, bleached, decayed, and scattered. And all around Ezekiel, 
is the absence of life. Remember that the vision represented the spiritual and the physical condition of God's people. Israel was a defeated nation. It had been crushed militarily. Its people had been separated from one another in exile. They were even given new names, new uh, Babylonian names, names that, that diminished and took away their, Hebra or the, the, their Hebrew names, that carried a meaning spiritually to them. And God would change, or, 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 or the enemy would change their names. And all because they abandoned God in the place of fruitfulness. Be careful. Be careful. You've heard me say this before. This is the last message I preached. Success breeds temptation. And in the fruitfulness of the promised land, they allowed themselves to be tempted and turned their backs on God and they started sacrificing to idols and then God gave them over to slavery under King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. You know what else they did? The Babylonians, they destroyed the temple of God. The temple that King David financed and King Solomon built, they brought it down to ashes. They destroyed anything that would resemble God in the lives of the children of Israel. But God takes Ezekiel to inspect and describe what he sees. Verse two, then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, they, there were very many in an open valley, and indeed they were very dry. They were dead. Any human suggestion that these bones could ever come to life again would be outrageous. And here's what I want you to know this morning. That sometimes God will transport you spiritually. God will give you a vision. God will give you a dream. God will bring somebody with a word of discernment and say, this is the reason why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. This is why you're experiencing what you're experiencing because you're dead in your sin right now. You've allowed sin back in your life. And because you've allowed sin back in your life, God will remove his hand of favor from you. There's a hedge of protection that's placed around us when we're living in the righteousness of Christ. But when we decide to live in sin, we remove that hedge of protection and God removes his hand of favor and he allows us to go through some of the things that we go through because he doesn't want you to live in your sin. He wants you to live in the resurrected life he provided for you through his son, Jesus Christ. But God would allow us to see things from a different optic to, for us to understand and see things for what they really are. Sometimes the people that we're hanging with they're spiritually dead. And we're hanging with spiritually dead people. And before you know it, you start to experience some of the decay on your own life. And God's not called you and I to live amongst the dead, but God has called you and I to live amongst the living and to prophesy to those that are living in the valley of dry bones to bring them back to a place, a spiritual life in Christ. That there are situations that God would allow us to acknowledge which appear to be totally normal when you look at it, but, when, but in fact, they're camouflaging all the hopelessness of the decay. That there will be times that God will bring you out into a valley in life and let you see that there's no hope in your own strength. 
that there's no hope in your own wisdom. That all the money that you have won't get you out of this one this time. That the pleasure of that ungodly relationship has run its course. And everything feels dead due to the ungodly decisions and compromises that's placed you in a valley of death and dryness. Hear me clearly, church. Sometimes God will take you from bad to worse so that you could see a real revival take place in your life. Because it's only then that sometimes we'll, that we'll actually believe. And so when you look at the placing of the prophet, he was placed in a horrible circumstance. He was placed in a very dead and dry place. And yet God said to the prophet, can these dry bones live? The prophet responds, only you know. And then God speaks to the prophet and says, prophesy. Prophesy over this valley. Prophesy over these dry bones. Prophesy life over death. I've given you the authority and the word to speak life over the dead that you see. It's interesting. When you look at the placing of the prophet and you look at the condition of the people. Because if we're just being honest, a lot of times you're placed in difficult situations to acknowledge what's wrong and to prophesy against it. Come on. That's why I love praying over Mayor Robert pulling mouse because I'm believing that, that God's going to give him wisdom and favor to see the wrong in the political party and to bring correction and speak life over it and bring it back to a place of integrity and character. And I believe that. I believe that. I don't believe that we should stay out of politics. I believe that we should pray over our politicians. We just want them to be aligned with biblical truth. That's why we talk about not being politically correct but being biblically correct. Right? We, we, we believe in life. We believe that abortion is murder. In fact, Maine just tried to pass a new bill that lets you abort a child up to three months after birth. That's murder. I think we need more spirit-filled politicians in office. Come on. I, I believe we need more Christians, men and women of faith, to take office. Who knows, maybe Ethan or Isaac one day will take office in Los Angeles. Mayor of Los Angeles, Isaac Barrios. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, uh, to him who's able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us, to him be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Bible says not to him who is able, able, not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That word able is a powerful word in this scripture. It actually comes from the word dunatos, which actually comes from another Greek word that I love. It's called uh, dunamai, which refers to the power one has by virtue of inherent ability and resources. God is able to do above and beyond anything 
we can ask for or believe. In fact, church, I'm completely persuaded that God is able to do anything that he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. In fact, the Bible in Romans 14, 4 says that he's able to make you stand when you feel weak. In Romans 16, 25, it says that he's able to establish you and give you dominion. In Jude 24, it says that he's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his glory. In Corinthians 9, 8, it says that he's able to make all grace abound toward you. Somebody say amen for that, right? In 2 Timothy, it says that he is able to keep that which you've committed unto him against that day. In Acts 20, 32, the Bible says that he's able to build you up. In Philippians 3, 21, that he's able to subdue all things for you. That in Ephesians 3, 20, that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than ever you could ask for or believe. Hebrews 7, 25, that he's able to save you to the uttermost. God is able. God is able to rescue your marriage. God is able to rescue your teenager. Come on, somebody. Come on, God is able to rescue your children. God is able to rescue that person that you love that's dealing with addiction. He's able. Don't ever count anybody out. He is able to save them and to rescue them. Just the other day, where's all my DNAers that are in DNA class right now? Just the other day, wasn't I talking to you guys about a friend of mine that we love so much that we, that we weren't willing that he would perish? in his sin, that he was living in addiction, and we went to the crack house. Remember? Remember I was telling you that? I was telling you guys that. Big Mike, where are you at? Big Mike, stand at your feet. There he is, right there. Come on. God is able. God is able. Not only did he rescue you, he imprisoned you to bring you back to himself. And last Tuesday, he was released four years after prison, and he's in God's house on Sunday morning. Let's go. Let's go. God is able. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Here's my second point, and I'm only going to get to this point. I'm going to have the rest of the worship team come up because my back hurts. I'm done. I'm so done right now. Here's my second point, and you need to take this point to heart. You and I have a role to play in revival. You and I have a role to play in the healing of our relationships. You and I have a role to play in the leading of the gospel in the South Bay through the Restoration Life Church family. You and I have a role to play. This is not a war that you can step out of and say, it's, I'm not, this isn't me, I'm not a, no, 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 no. If you're saved and born again and serving God and have the Holy Ghost on you, then you have a role to play in the kingdom of heaven. And God will use your life to bring healing and restoration to other lives. God will use your testimony to see somebody else come to know him. God will use the miracle that he did in you to do more miracles and others. You have a role to play in revival because Ezekiel wasn't like, they're too far gone. They're too dead. There's no way they could ever come to life. Ezekiel's response like, God, only you know whether or not these dry bones can live. And God says, prophesy to these dry bones. And Ezekiel 
who had a role to play in the revival of the children of Israel, steps up and he begins to prophesy life over death. And all of a sudden there is a rattling in the spirit that starts to take place. And the neck bone is connected to the chest bone and the thigh bone is connected to the leg bone and all the flesh and the sinews and everything comes back together and it's together. And God, God is looking at this and Ezekiel's like, but there's no life. And God says to Ezekiel, prophesy life. Speak life and breath over these bodies. And he prophesies and the wind brings the breath of God and enters these bodies and they rise up. And what do they become? An army of the living God. And church, I'm here to tell you, you have a role to play in the army of the living God. You are important. You are valuable. You are saved. You are spirit-filled. And God would cause you to prophesy. Sometimes we just need to prophesy over ourselves. You know what? I may not feel good, but I'm going to feel good in Jesus' name. Some of you need to prophesy over your wife. Some of you need to stop coming into agreement with the devil and start up prophesying over your wife what God says to prophesy over your wife. Some of you need to stop agreeing with what your tia concha and your homegirl is saying and start prophesying over your husband. When I see people in the hospital, I'm never like, oh, they're, they're gone, that's it. I'm like, you know what, they're not gone until God says they're gone. And until God says so, I'm going to speak life over them. And until God says so, I'm going to lay hands on them. Listen, I've laid hands on people and I've seen them transition. I've laid hands on people and seen people, you know, resurrected from, from, from a death moment in, in, in their life. And I'm here to tell you, the same spirit that lives in Ezekiel lives in each and every single one of you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in each and every single one of you. We need to stop speaking death over our future. We need to stop speaking death over our families and over our children. We need to start speaking life over our children again. They are going to grow up and be a man of God. They are going to grow up and be a woman of God. God, right now I'm praying for their future spouse. I'm praying that they're spirit-filled. I pray that they love them the way that you love them, God. I pray that your hand of grace and mercy be upon them. I pray, Lord God, that you fulfill your promise according to your word, according to your riches and glory. I might, have, I might not have all the money in the world, but God, you own it all. And I know that your hand of favor is on me, my family, my future, my legacy, my prophesy speak life over yourselves stop agreeing with the devil and start coming into alignment with Jesus and his word and his truth over your life we serve a God who's able to change the outcome when we surrender the circumstance to his purpose Proverbs 18 21 says the tongue has power of life and death and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Ezekiel 37, 4 through 14 is basically a story of where God would take an ordinary man, put his spirit in him, 
see the spiritual condition of the people, prophesy against the spiritual condition of the people, and begin to speak life that is backed up by God's sovereignty and God's promises, and the bones come back together, they're raised up as a mighty army, and this spiritual condition now manifests in the natural condition of the children of Israel, and they start correcting everything and making everything right so that God could set them free from the Babylonian empire to give them back the land that he promised them. And I'm here to declare to you this morning that you are all oracles of heaven, that you carry the living, breathing word of God in you. And when you see someone who is spiritually dead, when you see a family member that's spiritually dried up, when you see someone that's decayed or dying in the spirit, speak life over them, prophesy over them, speak God's word of truth over them, because your feet are beautiful, because your feet bring good news. The last point was God placed a prophetic word in Ezekiel and he puts this prophetic promise in each one of us. Romans 10, 14 says, but how will they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. And you know what the good news is? That Jesus came down from heaven. He took your sin and my sin and he crucified it and he suffered its shame and he suffered its pain so that you wouldn't have to. That when you were able to hear the gospel, surrender to that gift of grace and love and respond to it and you become born again believers in Christ, that's the good news. The good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I wonder if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed here today. Because I know that there are people that are here today that are living under the oppression of anxiety and depression. And it's like a valley. And there's hopelessness in it because the medication's not working, the counseling sessions aren't working, the, psychi the psychiatrist isn't working, and, and no matter what I do, I seem to find myself in this ugly cycle of depression and anxiety, and God doesn't want you to live in that valley. In fact, God is calling us to prophesy over you today and speak life and to rebuke any demonic affliction over your life, any oppression that the enemy would cause you fear. It's not from God. In fact, the Bible would say that the spirit of fear is a demonic spirit. So if you're dealing with fear, the demonic is active around you, not that you're possessed, but you're being oppressed by the demonic. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to set the captives free. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in depression. You don't have to live in misery. You don't have to live in pain. Jesus will rescue us. Jesus will resurrect us. Jesus is the God of revival. And if you're in this room today, and this has been a constant struggle in your life, I want you to stand to your feet right where you are, real quickly. Come on, we don't got a lot of time. But we are gonna believe God 
for freedom. We're going to believe God for a loosening of that demonic oppression over your life. And we're going to believe God for resurrection power to come upon you and to free you in the name of Jesus. That's not for you to carry anymore. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And that's the way we need to walk out of here, empowered by love and a sound mind that understands that I have put on the mind of Christ, that I no longer live in the darkness of my sin, but I'm putting on the mind of Christ and I'm living in the fruitfulness of that. If that's you, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to this altar. I want you to lift up your hands. And I want you to surrender anxiety to the Lord. I want you to surrender oppression to the Lord. I want you to surrender fear to the Lord. I want you to surrender everything that has kept you dead and drying. It could be sin. Surrender it to God today. Come on. Come on. God, I surrender to you. I prophesy over myself that I no longer have to live dead or dried up in this circumstance or situation. You are the defender of my Depression has no place. I plead the blood of Jesus upon this married couple. I speak life where the enemy has spoken death. And I rebuke sickness in Jesus' name. Lord, I bring mental health back to my brother. Right now in the name of Jesus. For his mind to be completely and totally healed.
every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to the Holy Spirit, you might be in this room right now and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Your heart's far from God. Your life's far from God. But God wants to restore you back to himself because he's not willing that you would perish in the darkness of your sin and in the pain of your past but he has the power to resurrect you and make you born again this morning by the blood that he shed on that cross for you. And if that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, nobody talking, God's bringing healing and restoration to your soul this morning. If you need healing, if you need salvation, what does that mean? It means that if you were to die right now, you, you're not like convinced that heaven would be your home. You're living in fear of eternity. And maybe you're here today, you'd say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And that's you. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On his heart's going up. Church, pray this prayer with me together as we pray all. I'm going to pray a prayer, but this is between you and, and God. Because I can't save you. I can't rescue you. I'm, I'm the oracle. I'm the prophetic messenger. I'm the preacher, the, the teacher, the, the one that's sharing the gospel with you. But 
Only God can heal you. Only God can restore you. Only God can save you. And maybe your life has been living in a valley of dry bones, but today God's going to call you out of that darkness and out of that death, and he's going to resurrect you, and he's going to give you a new life and a new future, but it starts with surrendering to his love over your life. Pray this prayer with me if you believe that. Say, Jesus, come on, church, we're going to say this all together. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. I'm dead in my sin. But today I repent. I turn away from my sin. And I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my mind. I believe that you died and you rose again for me. Save me. Rescue me. And fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God a big hand of praise this morning? Come on, man. God bless you. Listen, if you said that prayer and you mean that with all your heart, this is what the Bible says. All things are passed away. That means all the bad things that we'd ever done, every area of our life that we've failed God, it's forgiven and it's forgotten and he's given us a brand new life. Not just that, but a better one. But a better one. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? He's so good. He's so good. Can we give God just one more big shout of praise? We need to do one more thing. Come on. So good. God is so good. I'm going to ask uh, our staff, my wife and Teresa and Max to come up here. Man, God's presence is so good, isn't it? We don't have to live in defeat. And tomorrow's Monday. You have a decision to make. Either... I rise up in defeat or I rise up and conquer. I would challenge you this morning to understand that God has made you more than a conqueror. So you don't have to lose the rest of the week. You can conquer the rest of the week in Jesus' name. So like my wife, where's my wife at? Where's my, my pretty wife at? My beautiful wife. She's in the back. Well, uh, Friday was uh, Pastor Max's birthday. And we, we're a family here at Restoration Life. Now, we can't always fit everybody into the house when there's a birthday party. So we just decided that on Sundays we're just going to celebrate uh, Pastor Max. And, and uh, he's 36 years old. Woo! Come on. So on the count of three, we're going to start singing. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Pastor Matt. Happy birthday.
Love you guys. Hey, where's Donnell at? Donnell, you got that gift? Your church got you a gift. We know, we know what you like. Where's, where's Donnell at? Is he coming? He's coming? Where's he at? Oh, there he is. So we got Pastor Max a gift. You, you, guys, you guys are going to get to know more about Pastor Max after we give him this gift. But uh, we got him something that he's been wanting. Yeah. Is that all right? You all right? You ready? All right. Let's give him another big hand of applause. Listen. Friday night. Married couples and those of you that want to be married, and you're living right, Reg register, register for a devoted night this Friday night. If finances are an issue, come and see me. I'll take care of you. I don't want anybody to miss out because of finances. But I'll take care of you if finances are an issue. And then Saturday, for everybody on Dream Team and all of our leaders, we have Pastor Jonathan Brozozok. We have a leadership seminar here. And so that's free, um, but we want you to be a part of that. And we're going to have a great time next week in Jesus' name. Don't forget, Tuesday Night DNA, if you're new to Restoration Life, we have a video for you to watch. God bless you. We love you. Turn around, give somebody a big high five. We'll see you next Sunday at Restoration Life.